This podcast is hosted by a child sexual abuse and rape survivor who has also experienced homelessness, physical and emotional abuse, suicide attempts, and other traumatic events. Although Jess speaks with tenderness and charity on these subjects, some may find the content uncomfortable to listen to. If you are sensitive to these types of life experiences, we encourage you to pause this podcast and read the show notes for the particular episode to decide if you would like to continue. You're listening to the Divine Wisdom from the Kitchen podcast, hosted by Jess Echeverry, wife to a Catholic deacon, mother to five children, and dog mom to English bulldogs Chulo and Duke, as well as a survivor, speaker, woman and family advocate, and author. A convert to the faith, Jess goes beyond the class curriculum or church document and invites you to a conversation about our daily faith walk, our relationship with Christ and the church, and everything else in between. It's a heart-to-heart that leaves you with a good feeling in your soul. And now, without further ado, here's Jess. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is so wonderful to have you here. And today is the fourth and final week of the episodes that are helping us to prepare for the coming of the Christ child on Christmas Day. And as Catholics, um, which I am myself, we are super excited because right now we're in what's called Advent, and that is the um, the season before Christmas season where we are preparing our hearts for for the coming of the Christ child on Christmas Day, and then we celebrate the Christmas season for weeks and even into the new year. Um, as Catholics, we have a very long happy party um, about Jesus's birth. So one of the great things about becoming Catholic and and, and experiencing all the joy and the celebrating um, during the, the Christmas season. So our fourth and final candle on the Advent wreath is purple. And um, in the word that my mommily is about today is the word love. And that's a really good one. I'm actually really excited to do this one because after I was praying and discerning on what I should share, I thought about um, a recent visit to Nashville that my family took. But before I get into that, I want to just preface that trip with the reason why we went. Um, My husband and I started a nonprofit organization called SOFISA. S-O-F-E-S-A, in 1999, and that is our ministry to homeless and low-income families and with children, and we, we've we been doing it for over 21 years. Um, it's been it just a very small, it's a 501c3 nonprofit, so all the donations are tax-deductible. What we do run solely on private donations, and we're very small. Well, we've kept it that way because you know, we've had uh, our household, children, um, educating our children. We still have two children still at home, although one only left being a minor. Um, he's 16. So, you know, knowing that, you know, he'll be graduating from high school, we are looking at with the board um, on how maybe in the next three to five years we will be able to allow Sophisa to grow into what God wants for it. And part of that growth, we think, we're still praying and discerning, is a residential program um, that may have two different parts. One would be um, just like a, a safe house, a very temporary, just come right off the street and get them shelter type of, um, of program, which could possibly lead to um, a more uh, 
longer in length stay, maybe a few years, um, residential program for the families that we help. So again, we're praying about that. But I had to share that with you because that is one of the reasons why um, our family took a trip to Nashville. There is a wonderful organization in Nashville, Tennessee, and they're called Thistle Farms. And Thistle Farms is an organization, it's another nonprofit. Um, they have so many aspects of, of, of themselves that they do. They have a gift shop, they have a cafe, they, uh, they, you know, it's just, it's just a ton of stuff and they support women survivors of trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. And, um, I recently learned about them and connected with the director there. So we're really happy that she welcomed us there and she gave us a beautiful tour and, I really wanted to learn, Sofiso wanted to learn, you know, what made their residential program so successful. And so we did, we learned a lot. And as we were going through this tour, um, we were walking outside of the cafe building and I noticed on the side of the building, there's this huge mural painted there with Thistle Farms tagline. And Thistle Farms tagline is love heals everybody. I just thought that was so beautiful. It just really touched me because I feel personally that that's, you know, that's what healed me as well. And then we walk around and we go into the gift shop and I'm looking around the gift shop at all their products and everything smells nice and everything's so beautiful. And I see this face mask. Now, um, I, we were required to wear face masks. And so I'm thinking, gosh, I don't, I, I usually just use the disposable ones. I don't really think about what kind of face mask I have on, but I saw this face mask. It was white and you can tell it was, it was handmade. And on it, it just said love heals very faintly, like a bunch of times, like just printed on it in light pink. And I thought, you know what? That's really beautiful. If somebody has to look at a face mask on my face, I want them to read love heals, right? Like I, that makes me feel good. So I bought the face mask, you know, I bought the face mask and I've been wearing it for weeks and it's really made me feel good inside. And, um, and so the reason why I wanted to share that is because for weeks I'm wearing this and I'm looking at the words love heals. I'm getting all these good feelings. And then it finally occurred to me why it makes me feel so good. And it's because, you know, knowing what I know now, you know, where I am in my faith life, you know, I know who love is, right? So, <laughs> you know, 1 John 4, 18 tells us who love is, right? God is love. And so really what my heart is seeing when I see this painted on the side of the wall, when I see it on this face mask is, yeah, it says love heals or it says love heals everybody. But what my heart is reading is the truth. And the truth is, is that God heals, right? And God heals everybody. And that is what's so beautiful. And that is what my heart was responding to. Without even saying who God is, you're sharing that he loves everybody. And right? So who is love? God is love. And we can just start there. You know, again, 1 John 4.18 tells us that God is love. And that translates into with this slogan and just the truth that God heals. And in our Christianity and our faith, we learn and it teaches us and we believe that, you know, who is God? God's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Trinity, right? He's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so 
when we talk about love, we really have to go to, you know, in John 13, 34, 35, you know, the great commandment that he gives us. Jesus is commanding us to do something in in regards to this love, right? And what is he asking us? He's telling us to love one another. Not only is he asking us to love one another, he's asking us to love one another as I have loved you. And then he even goes even further and breaks it down for us and he tells us the reason why. He's like, because if you love one another like I love you, then when you love them like that, they're going to know me. They're going to know you're my disciple. They're going to know that you are with me. That's the most amazing part, like for me, for that scripture. So it's, yeah, so what do we have? We have love. And who is love? God is love. And who is God? God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Son, Jesus, tells us in his gospels, through his life, through his passion, his death, and his resurrection, that's how he showed us he loved us. And he's asking, no, actually, he's telling us, he's calling us to love each other that same way. And when we do that, what do we end up doing? We end up showing love, which is God, which is Jesus Christ, to that person. Is that not amazing? I just, I love this. I love the word love. I'm so excited to be doing this one today. I've been looking forward to it. And when it was week one, I was really hoping it was love. I couldn't remember the order they were in. And I was Googling and I was like, ah, I have to wait to the end to talk about this. So forgive me for my excitement, but this is just so much fun for me. Okay. So we've got love. We've got who is love. God is love. We've got who is God. Jesus is in there. And we've got Jesus' greatest commandment to us, to go love one another like I love you, because when you do that, they will know me and they'll know you are my disciple. Well, that's some really great information as a Christian to have, because that tells us what we're supposed to do. So I think the next question a Christian, a Christian should come to in this would be, well, then how do I how do I keep this commandment? How do I fulfill this commandment that Jesus is calling me to? How do I love, right? Like, what does that cross look like? Because Jesus showed us that he loved us by getting on the cross. He showed us by enduring and bearing all the suffering that he did, all of his trials and suffering. And so what does that look like for us? And I know that the scripture that I'm about to share has become very cliche. You can probably find it on a wall hanging thing at TJ Maxx Home Goods, but it's still scripture. And as a matter of fact, when I actually hear it or see it, I look at it and I don't even pay attention to it because I'm like, oh yeah, I know that one. Don't do that this time, folks. I know I'm guilty of it. So when I start reading this scripture, really listen to it. Don't like kind of check out and be like, oh yeah, I know this one. No, no, let's let's really listen to it. And you know which one it is, 1 Corinthians 13, the most popular love scripture in the Bible, I believe. Even people who aren't Christians know this one. Um, but that's the one that I really wanted to to focus on because look, when I was coming up in the experience that I had, I didn't know God. I didn't know love, right? I knew I knew the love that people were giving me that they thought was love, 
right? And in many ways, that was bad. And in some ways, it was actually really good. The, the, the few moments, you know, the few sprinkles of love that I did experience. And so encountering my husband and having that life healing and change and learning who God, who love is, right? Who God is and creating that relationship with him and his beautiful church. Now I understand what all this means where before I didn't. So if you're in that situation where you're just not familiar with scripture, you're not really familiar. You may be familiar. You've heard this one, but you don't know other scripture. That's okay. That's okay right now, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that there's more and there's so much more love to experience. So, so really pay attention here because I, I really want to break it down and just share just how beautiful and instructive it is really. So as Christians, how do I fulfill this commandment that Jesus is calling me to, to love one another like he has loved me? And um, 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, um, scripture breaks it down for us. It tells us what love is, right? It also tells us what love isn't. It tells us what love does, but it also tells us what love doesn't do. And then it closes, or the closing part that we usually, we usually stop there. There's plenty more scripture afterwards. But then the closing are just these, these really powerful statements at the end to just really close this out and seal the deal. So let's go through this. Love is patient, right? You guys know which one I'm talking about now. You're like, oh yeah, now I know this. Love is patient and love is kind. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, I have five children, you know, one of them in heaven. So raising four children, you lose your patience. (laughs) I know I've lost my patience plenty of times, you know, and and that's okay because we're human. And and I think in all of these that we're going to go through, I think the message that God is telling us is these are all things that human beings experience. But what he doesn't want us to do, he doesn't want us to lump them all together and just kind of write them off as that's just me being human. Oh, that's just me. That's just who I am. Oh, that's so-and-so. That's just her personality. No, 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 no. That's why these are here, because he wants us to be able to separate what isn't love from what is, and then to strive for that perfection that, that he's shown us, right? So love is patient and kind. We have to do our best. We, we need to do our best. We need to become aware when we're not being patient, and we need to, to, to fight those temptations of being impatient, because we're right now we're in a season of patience, <laughs> Right now, Catholics are in Advent. We're not celebrating Christmas yet. And if you are, then I think you're missing the whole idea, the the whole purpose of Advent. It's like, it's not Christmas Day yet, so what are we doing? We're preparing and we're waiting, right? Because God has something for us in those moments of time that we experience as well. Just like God gave Jesus to us in the womb of Mary. And in her pregnancy, she was preparing and waiting, right? So God is in that patience that we choose to have. And even though none of us are perfect, we need to strive to be more patient with others because in being patient and kind, we are showing them the love that Jesus Christ showed us. Then it goes into what it's not. And it really knocks off four right off the bat, right? It's not envious. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. And 
you know, it's not irritable, it's not resentful, and it doesn't insist on its own way. That's a really big one for me. And I'll share this story with you because maybe some of you um, are familiar with these feelings and maybe have gone through this or even going through it right now. But being a child sexual abuse survivor, one of the behavioral aspects, right, of being a child sexual abuse um, survivor is dealing with the desire and the need to have control over everything in your life. And that can translate into, you know, insisting on things being the way you want them to be because that's how, you know, you feel most comfortable. And I want to explain that a little bit just so that people can get an understanding of it and how that really feels when you are in a situation as a child where everything about you is being taken over by someone else and you don't have control over what's happening to you. And um, that leads to, as you know, as you become an adult, and if you haven't gone through the proper avenues of healing and counseling and, and, and all of that, then one of the behaviors that can manifest from that trauma is the need to be in control of everything and have everything your own way. And I suffered from that really bad. As a matter of fact, it was about... It was when I was pregnant with my, our two youngest boys and having them and them probably up to about the ages of six or seven with them where I was at my worst. I just, it was, I was in, um, you know, that stage of the, the, the forgiveness cycle. I was in stage two. I was aware now and acknowledged the things that had happened to me and I was really struggling emotionally, psychologically, physically, spiritually to try and figure out who I was and what was going on in my life. And I needed control. My husband nicknamed me Jessica Master Planner Echeverry. Like that's how bad it was. It was, it really took a toll on our marriage, but I have to give a shout out to my husband for his extreme patience, extreme patience um, that, that he had with me and, and we got through it, you know, and eventually over time and in healing and, and me coming into the church, I learned, I became aware that, you know, this behavior of insisting on things being my own way, where it's coming from, you know, where it came from and how to best combat it. So if you feel like, you know, somebody who has those behaviors, you know, there, there may be some trauma in their history that maybe they haven't dealt with, but it is very common for child sexual abuse survivors to fall into that type of behavior. But we're talking about love. And so in learning that that behavior is not love, it's important to find healing and, and to tap into the resources that can help you to combat that behavior so that it doesn't continue anymore. Um, and then, uh, let's see, let's see what it goes into. Um, it does not, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices in truth. And honestly, today, now in our society, the idea of wrongdoing, I think that's kind of up in the air. You know, like I see people who are doing things wrong, who actually are being celebrated. So I think the idea of right and wrong, the lines and the boundaries to that are blurred right now. So that's really sad for me because scripture tells us that love, the action of love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. You know, people who do things wrong or rejoice in seeing things wrong done to people, right? It rejoices in truth. 
What does that mean? It rejoices in truth. Well, we know who truth is, just like we know who love is, right? Love is God. In John 14, 16, Jesus, it tells us Jesus is you. You know, you guys know this. You can fill this in with me, you Christians out there. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So love rejoices in Jesus. It rejoices in truth. That's what it does. And then this this closing, this big bang, I mean, these very powerful, the four, the five statements at the end that really just seal the deal on what love is and, and, and what God is sharing with us about love. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Wow. Like really take a second and take that in. Love bears all things. What does that mean to bear, right? That means to carry, right? A part of that is like to carry, like you're bearing heavy weight on you. How many people out there right now are bearing something heavy in their life? Maybe you've lost someone that you love. Maybe you're going through, you know, a breakup of a relationship or a marriage. Maybe, you know, maybe you're you're bearing the heavy weight of whatever is happening. Well, just know that, you know, bearing those things is an act of love. You know, it's an act of love to continue bearing them like Jesus bore his cross for us. Love believes all things. It doesn't mean love believes everything because not everything is the truth, but believes all things that are true, that are holy, and that are right, and that are of God, right? It believes all those things, even when everything around us is telling us to believe something opposite or offensive or against what is God or the truth. And love hopes all things. Love is so full of hope. And you know I love that word hope very, very much. It hopes all things because our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in Christ, right? That's where our hope lies. And he conquered death. So there's nothing that is impossible for God. And that is why we hope in all things. And then endures all things. What does it mean to endure? It means to keep going. So not only are you carrying that heavy weight, you got to carry it long and far. (laughs) You got to carry it long and far, you know, but knowing that when you're doing this, his love is just with you and surrounding you and encompassing you because you are in doing those things, you are acting in this beautiful, perfect love that God is, is showing us. And then it ends with love never ends. Love never ends. That's, wow. I mean, we are people who live in time and space. You know, we have clocks. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. But outside of here is not, God is not, you know, confined time and space. He created that for us. And so he's telling us that he is beyond, that he's the creator of this time and space that we're in. And so his love for us, what he has to offer us, the relationship with him is eternal. It, it never ends. His, his love, his loving us and our ability to love him in return never ends. 
I'm going back to the beginning where who is love? God is love. And so we've replaced that word love with God. God never ends. I just think that's so amazing. So, well, I guess I'm going to close with, you know, I'm just really drawn back to the John 13 one, you know, the greatest command from Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. I, I want to go back to that because I'm feeling moved by the Holy Spirit here to kind of give a little bit more information on that. There, there are ways to love people, especially people who don't want to hear about Jesus or God. And I tend to encounter them a lot more nowadays than I ever have. You know, the people who are not religious, spiritual but religious, you know, they, they believe in a great being or an inner light within themselves or I don't know. They, they, just, they just don't believe in God. And not only do they not believe in him, they don't even want to hear his name, right? But we're still called to show God to them. And so we have a choice to make. We can shove the name down their throats and say, no, you got to believe this. God loves you. And da, da, da. Or we can do what love is, right? So in, in, in our ministry with Sophisa, you know, it's run based on our Christian values and morals and our beliefs. But when we encounter someone on the street, we don't walk up to them immediately and say, hey, Jesus loves you. We don't do that. You know, we can if we wanted to. It could be the first words out of our mouths. But what we feel the person, and, and, and historically the response is just so much better, right, is when we walk up to them and we do something that Jesus would do, right? So we will walk up to them and we will ask them what their name is. We'll sit down and we'll talk to them. We'll share with them some food or something that they need. You know, with our families, we'll put them up in a motel so that they have shelter and they can take a shower and sleep in a bed for a few nights until we can move them into something more permanent, right? Our actions are what we've learned from Jesus love is, right? We're patient with them. We're kind to them. We're not boastful. We're not envious. We're not arrogant or rude to them. We're showing them the love that Jesus has taught us, that God has given us and gives to us. And in doing that, they look at us and, and you know what? We get it all the time like, oh, Jess, thank you so much. Or, oh, you know, you guys are so wonderful. And, and you know what I hear? I hear Jesus. That's what I hear. And, you know, and depending on who the person is and what type of relationship I have with them, sometimes, you know, I just met them for the first time. Just spend, just depends on how my heart feels at that moment. I'll say, whatever good you're feeling, that's from God. I'm just passing it along to you. I'm just the messenger, right? So if someone can interact with me and walk away feeling Feeling the love that Christ has. As a matter of fact, what I would love, here's what I would love, <laughs> speaking of love, I would love for somebody who has encountered me to walk away and maybe in a conversation with somebody else go to them, you know what? 
that woman right there is a Christian. That's what I would love. That woman right there is a Christian. She's a, she's a disciple of Jesus Christ. Oh, how do you say that? Because of how she just treated me. I know that she is. That's my goal. That's my goal in love. And I share that with you in hopes that no matter where you are in your life right now, you may have a loveless life. Um, you may be struggling. You may be bearing heavy things. Just know that God is love. And not only is, is God love, he loves you tremendously. He created you in all of that love. And he wants you to learn that, who you are, that beautiful creation of love that he's made. Because once you realize that, the freedom that he gives you is just unbelievable. And so I'm going to close just with this prayer tonight. I'm going to pray and join me in praying. You know, dear Heavenly Father, you know, we come here today at this moment trying to learn deeper about you, about love, about ourselves and what that means in our relationship with you and most importantly in our relationship with the people that we encounter day to day. And Lord, we acknowledge we're not perfect, but we also accept that you're calling us to your perfectness. And so we strive. We strive to learn. We strive to grasp, to grapple with what you're sharing with us in your holy scripture and in your beautiful church. Because we ultimately want to feel encompassed by your unending love. We want to be made a new creation in this love. And we hope, Lord, that you have mercy on us, on our faults. We ask you for forgiveness for all of them. And we make a promise to you right now that we are going to try our very best in every moment to love as Jesus has instructed us to love one another so that people who encounter us can say, look, there goes a Christian. Help us, Lord, to achieve this. Help us, Lord, to love you and to love others as you love us. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe and spread the word. Tell your friends and family on social media to leave us a five-star review. Make sure to check the show notes for helpful links about topics discussed in this episode. Jess's latest book, Dazzled, Finding the Key to Perfect Forgiveness, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Balboa Press, as well as Momaletics.com. That's M-O-M-M-A-L-E-T-I-C-S.com, where you can also connect with her directly. Thanks for listening. Make sure you join us next time for more heart-to-heart -heart and good feelings in your soul on Divine Wisdom from the Kitchen.